Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. When there's only a few people at a company, you know, everybody pitches in a little bit on everything. I think it's a lot to do with attitude. You know, hard skills can be taught, but it's people who are interested in learning those hard skills that is important. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised L.A., and I created We Are L.A. Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. This week's We Are LA Tech shout out goes to Phil Plumley. Phil, thank you so much for being supportive of We Are LA Tech for years now. Love that you're a listener and that you really appreciate the work that we're doing. Be sure to say hello to Phil on Instagram at wolfhound27. That's W-O-L-F-H-O-U-N-D 27. Tell him you discovered him on the We Are LA Tech podcast. Thanks, Phil. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. It's 2.30 a.m. just editing a podcast sort of or like looking at it and working on follow up and all the other things that I don't know how I keep up with. But really, I just think I want to stay in this office like every minute possible. I love it so much. I had the podcasters meet up in here tonight. I don't know how many people showed up. I feel like it was 30 people. It was a lot of people for my space. And everybody was just so happy and connective and collaborative. And everyone said, like, it made it so much easier to, you know, engage with one another because it was a really comfortable space. And it's, you know, thanks to Rose Mina, who designed this space for me. It's just this really kumbaya, zen-like environment. And I just can't imagine dismantling it and taking everything down and starting somewhere new. I don't want to touch anything. I just want it to grow and get even better and have more people in here. And I hope that that's possible. I don't know what the future entails. Um, I talked to the new people that are going to run the space today and they're going to connect with me on Thursday. And I'm just, it's kind of like a wait and see situation. I've also talked to other options but yeah, I just love it here. It's crazy how important design is because I didn't love it here for a while. It was just this like plain blue wall and white desks and it was just wrong. And so one day I was at a new girlfriend's house, Kristen, and outside she had this roommate living in a teepee, no joke, like in a teepee in Santa Monica and like a garden area. And I go inside this epic teepee and it was 
amazing. Like the design and decor was absolutely amazing. I couldn't believe it. Like every, everybody would want to live in this teepee. And this girl, this like young girl, Rosemina, she's still in school. She's an aspiring actress. And so I said, Rosemina, would you be down to design my office space? And she's like, Oh my God, I've always wanted to design, but I've never designed anything. I'm like, well, I want you to design it. I just had her go at it. So I'm telling you like 99% of this is all Rosmina and she made it perfect. Like it is, it's like she went inside my soul and just knew how to express my most authentic inner self on within like the, the walls and decor of this space. It's just amazing. And, um, I'm so grateful that she did it. And so I have to remember that, that wherever I go, I'm sure if I asked Rosemina to design my new space, she would. And so I'm probably just like madly in love with the design, but I'm also like in love with the sound, you know, with the podcast and, and the privacy. And yeah, I love it. I love it here. But anyway, that is my little share for the night. I really need to force myself to leave and go to sleep. So I'm going to sign off and uh, let you enjoy the next We Are LA Tech podcast episode. Thank you for being a listener. I appreciate you. Bye. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast. I am speaking to you in a place that I really rather not be speaking to you, which is inside my my home because we moved out of the studio and we're transitioning into a new studio. And so if there is an echo, I apologize. Um, I am blessed to have our incredible editor on this interview with us who will be doing the best to get rid, rid of the bedroom echo. Um, which is quite embarrassing. Adam is our special guest today. I am so elated uh, to share our journey of We Are LA Tech and what's been going on um, on this kind of bonus-esque Monday episode. It's really like a transparent episode, just bringing you along the We Are LA Tech ride. And so without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to our amazing teammate, Adam Carroll. Hello. Hello. How many times have you heard me do the intro? Like hundreds? <laughs> yeah, hundreds for sure. <laughs> so, okay, let's share with everybody, like what, let's start from the realness. Like we'll start with you introducing yourself as we always do. And maybe we'll talk about how we connected and where we're at today and why I am annoyingly inside a, a bedroom. <laughs> So let's just keep it real. Like, why, why don't we start, as we always do, with introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? <laughs> sure. So um, I'm Adam Carroll. Um, I am the editor of the We Are LA Tech and Women in Tech podcast, longtime podcast aficionado. Um, I do a lot of different <laughs> things. Um, <laughs> yeah, you do. You're like, and where do we go from here? Um, so, okay. So Adam and I met. Um, it's 2019. So we met what five years ago online. We never, we didn't even meet in person until a few months ago, which is wild. So we had, we had worked together digitally for five years before meeting IRL, which was really exciting. <laughs> what was it like meeting me in 
person and seeing the We Are LA Tech space, which I'm so thankful that you saw the space before we had to transition out of the space. But what was it like to see something you had worked with for so long um, in in real life? Yeah, it was interesting. Like, I mean, obviously, it was a, it was a great time, and and it was really cool to see the the studio in person. I've seen a few pictures here and there, but it's hard to get a sense of what it actually looks like. So that was interesting, but it was also just interesting to meet in person where it's one of those things where, yeah, like you said, we've been talking virtually for years and I've listened to hundreds and hundreds of hours of (laughs) you talking. So I I think when you listen to podcasts for a long time, just as as a listener, um, you feel like you kind of get to know the hosts. And then, so I had that from editing the shows plus, you know, talking to you on calls and, and things like that. So it didn't feel very foreign, which, I mean, I think it could have been strange, but it was, yeah, it just seemed very natural. Yeah, it was super organic for me as well. Like, I feel like I trust you. I feel like we know each other, we work together, and it was just almost, I don't know if a formality is the right word, maybe technicality or something. It was just like, and hey, oh yeah, by the way, hi, this is me in person. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's kind of that digital buffer. Yeah. What's so rad about, I think, you know, the idea of, you know, you live in Canada. I can't, I always forget. It wasn't Calgary. Or is it Calgary? No, no it's not uh, Calgary. Winnipeg. Win- Winnipeg. I always forget where. And uh, as you know, like, I'm based in Los Angeles. And um, this discussion of, like, remote team and is always something that's talked about in um, startups around the world, not, not just here in LA. And it's interesting how much, you know, I trust you. And I think that that we're more efficient because I mean, like we have one weekly call and I feel like that's all we need. Do you ever feel like we need more? No, I I think, you know, urgent things, we, we have other channels that we communicate through. And so it's that one weekly call is, I think the personal, touch right like just where you can actually hear each other's voices and you're not just sending messages and things like that totally and there's this whole discussion about building team culture through um through platforms like slack and um i think that's interesting we don't use slack as a team we use Basecamp. and i i when i talk to other people i'm like we're not a water cooler chat kind of company (laughs) and but i still feel like it feels to me that all you guys feel connected to one another, right? Like you feel connected to Carl or, or am I, I mean, that's a weird way to poise a question. Like, don't you <laughs> like, um, no, but genuinely what do you feel like anything's missing in connectivity because we connect once a week and we primarily use base camp in a non water cooler kind of way? No, I, I think, you know, as far as like a virtual team could, could go, I think we're, all fairly connected and comfortable with each other. And, you know, it's been the same small core group of people for quite a while. So we've, you know, gotten to know each other over, over the years. Yeah. And to give context, I'm so proud of this. Um, you and I have worked together since 2014. We took a little intermission for a while because you married your beautiful wife and you're, <laughs> you, you, you had to do things, but I feel so lucky that, um, it was able to come back full circle and you're able to like be a part of the team again. And then Carl and I have worked together since 2014. Janice and I have worked together since 2012. 
Gerald has been on. I feel like 2014 is the year since 2014. And I know you don't see Gerald, who is our photographer and videographer when we have events, but um, you've probably seen some of his footage or photos. It just feels like for me as the founder, it feels, I feel such a deep sense of gratitude that all of you have this longevity with, you know, what we're doing. And um, speaking of longevity, I think getting into the raw of why I'm in a bedroom that I don't want to be in (laughs) versus the studio is so what happened with the studio and you may have heard, I'm not even sure Adam where we are in airing the, the, our personal spots that talk a little bit about the studio. So this may be coming before you hear future. I mean, do, do the listeners know right now? Yeah, it's been mentioned. Yeah. So, um, studio went triple in rent and a few other technicalities. And so I had to evaluate whether, like why it was that I was keeping, and Adam, I don't even think I've told you this, like why it was that I wanted to keep the studio. Um, for obvious reasons, we want a studio because I don't like the sound of this bedroom right now. And I don't like that my equipment is everywhere and I can't even find it under this mound of stuff. So I'm using my like normal Bose headphones and thank goodness for Squadcast giving us our virtual high quality audio. But Generally, I have a bunch of mic stands set up in the studio and all the, the mics ready to go. And it's it's a really exciting process. And sometimes I'll have video equipment set up from the Mevo. I have um, a G7X and all this stuff. And I had up the stairs of the studio, I had the T-shirts for We Are LA Tech. It was just a really, I called it my creative haven. But what I when I did deep work on understanding why I wanted to keep the studio so deeply. The main reason wasn't because of the podcast facilities, even though that that is a really core part. The main reason was to serve community. And as much as serving community is just the essence of who I am, serving community doesn't necessarily um, increase our bottom line in revenue in order for me to support you know, you, Adam, and, and support Carl and Janice and all these things that are really important to me. And we were really lucky that we were able to find like um, a part-time proper podcast studio just blocks away from my house. So I wasn't out of a podcast studio and that starts um, at the beginning of next month. And so the core essence of the business, the podcast and producing offline experiences for the LA tech community didn't necessarily need the walls of the office. So I was holding on to it to serve and for sentimental purposes. And I realized because that doesn't actually advance the company forward financially, I just had to make the hard, really hard decision to, um, to let it go. And it feels weird. It feels super weird. It feels like, it feels weird. It just feels bizarre. And I feel so unprofessional the reason why Adam is kind enough to spend his Saturday with me right now doing this impromptu episode is because, you know, I, I've had to like finagle over the last weeks, where am I going to record and trying to schedule with different people and maybe driving to their space and with all these kind of erratic, uh, new foreign scheduling, um, challenges with the podcast, I'm just like, Adam, let's just jump on a virtual call and, and share the story on Saturday or, or yesterday. And, and he was down. And so, yeah. How, what has it been like be, for you 
as, you know, our teammate, because I'm always, I bring this up on our team calls. I'm always so concerned. I always say things like, I don't want to let you guys down, or I want to provide for you. And I so mean that. I think you won't know that from like the core bottom of my heart. Um, what is it like to experience the transition that we go through kind of as a company? Because you've experienced so many different types of transitions with me over the years. I think from my perspective, you know, uh, I don't see, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of, of a lot of the things that, that you're dealing with. From my end, it's like, and I think others on the team too, it's sort of, you know, whatever work there is to be done, we're going to be doing good work. So whether that's, you know, if, if it's a period of time when there's less episodes, then there's other things that we can be doing or we can be spending more time on those episodes, making it as good as possible. I, I think it comes down to that I just enjoy the work and being able to do that on a project that it, at the core of, of both of the, the podcasts um, is just about making people's lives better, helping people, giving advice to people, giving inspiration to people. And that's, you know, a good cause to get behind on top of, you know, enjoying doing this type of work, also being able to do that for a cause that's not just like trying to make a bunch of money off of it. Mm. So like the, the, the core values of the organization itself is what you align with. Yeah, I mean, I think it does make a difference. It, it makes it that much better if you can believe in the type of work that you're doing. And, and my intent in, in sharing this conversation on the podcast right now is, you know, my MO is always how can we be of most value and service to, to our listeners and, and how can we be helpful? So I think the intent in asking this and, and how it will serve our listeners is, one question I get when I'm speaking in advance is how do you build a team? How do you attract people to work with you? Um, what do you do when, when you don't have the big fancy venture money behind you? How do you get started? And so I think hearing your experience on like why you're attracted to this opportunity and like what about it um, makes you feel just really good about rolling through the transitions. I think that's really helpful to our community. Um, what, about the work lifestyle really suits you well? Um, well, I, I mean, the, the lifestyle side of it is, you know, being able to work on the podcast when it's convenient for me. Like, there's no set hours or schedule. It's, you know, the as long as it's done by <laughs> when it needs to be done. Um, so that's nice to have that, that flexibility um, to be able to, you know, if, if there's a couple of days that, I'm going to be out of town or something, you know, I can just work a little bit more leading up to that and, you know, be covered. So it's just the, the flexibility is nice. What would you recommend to people if they're looking to, I mean, you're an insanely talented, um, both audio and video editor. There's so many people there look out there looking for talent for their teams, maybe not necessarily in media creation, but just looking for talent. What would you recommend to founders starting out in their companies um, should do or how they should approach it to attract talent to want to work with them? Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. 
The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. What would you recommend to founders starting out in their companies um, should do or how they should approach it to attract talent to want to work with them? Well, like I mentioned, you know, finding people with similar values to you, um, people that are, you know, at the beginning, they may not know much about your company, but having a company that aligns with their values will, you know, if you can get them in the door they're going to stick around longer, you know, culture in general, you know, not every culture is right for every person and, and doesn't necessarily make it good or bad, but um, finding people that kind of fit into that culture and startups in particular have sort of a, the jobs are not specifically siloed when there's only a few people at a company, you know, everybody pitches in a little bit on everything. So it's finding those people who are, I like to say people who are just doers, people just, you know, you can get thrown anything and it'll get done. And if you don't know how to do it, you can figure out how to get it done well enough. So it's finding those people. It's, I think it's a lot to do with attitude. You know, hard skills can be taught, um, but it's people who are interested in learning those hard skills that is important. And one thing Carl has, I don't know if you've said this as much, but Carl has said a few times and I wonder how you feel about it is, um, and it's a word that comes up a lot in, in our culture today, which is, and a word that we've used in this conversation today, which is transparency, authenticity. And I really push myself to be a vulnerable leader, even when I'm highly uncomfortable. I think it's extremely unorthodox and sometimes makes me nervous. And Carl has told me in the past, like, I actually, this is his words that he actually like loves that because seeing me be vulnerable, like just makes him feel more free to, to, to be himself too and to trust the situation. Um, like I said, it's, it's like so unorthodox. How do you feel about, you know, and what vulnerability means, by the way, you guys listening, is like when we're on the team calls, if I'm going through, I, I'll give a specific example. Like my, uh, about a year and a half ago, my friend took his life and I was like, I just went through a deep depression. It was just awful. Like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't anything. And, um, that was hard. And I, I literally just show up to the best of my ability and I'm honest through and through all the time. And so whether that's going through something horrible like that, or it's just this week where I'm going through all this transition and the moving and figuring out or, you know, whatever that rawness and that quote unquote weakness is, I share it with the team. Um, how does that sit with you when we live in such a perfectionist culture? Yeah. And, and, you know, you talk about this a lot where it's, everybody is expected to be perfect and, and no one is. Um, but I think that in the context of our team, I think it's helpful to know some of the things that are that are going on because that gives context. If, if nothing else, it gives us context to like, if you have a bunch of things going on and you're super busy or super stressed out or, you know, that type of thing, if there's a small question or a little detail that 
I don't need to bother you with right now. I can wait. You know, anything, basically things that I could handle myself, but maybe I would, you know, if you're available, I'll ask you. I know there are times to just figure it out and not bother you because you've got enough on your plate to <laughs> rather than, you know, reviewing audio files or, you know, <laughs> you know so it's, it's that, and, and there's times when you're, you're jumping in to help out with things that I'm doing. And it's, so it's, it's like a give and take and, you know, kind of being able to read when you've got a lot on your plate or you're dealing with a lot and knowing how to kind of balance that. I've met so many founders, especially through the Experience Club, that share with me how much they're struggling, but they can't let anyone know. And I understand like that feeling. Do I ever, and, and I appreciate that we could have this, this candid conversation and because you, you know that there would never be any judgment. Do you ever see me as unprofessional? because I lead with vulnerability. And my intent in asking is to demonstrate to others what the truth is so that they can make choices in their companies if they maybe would feel more ease if they could be a little bit more vulnerable or like, no, it's good that they're like masking everything. Right. And I think part of it is knowing your audience, right? So at a small company, I think it's easier to be more vulnerable because mm. you're, you have a closer relationship with those people and they can, you know, if, if you are running a company with 200 employees and a lot of them may not know you personally and you start talking about these things, people don't, may not know how to react mm. to that or they Good might, point. you know, it's like if there's issues and you bring them up to, to people who maybe aren't familiar with your situation, then, you know, you don't want people to be worried like, Oh, is the, are, is the company going to go out of business? Like why, why is the CEO worried totally. right now? So it's, I think it's just knowing, I mean, having that context and, and choosing, you know, what's appropriate to share and what's not. And and I think it's easier to share more with a, a smaller team where you're, you have a closer familiarity with, with everybody. I'm really glad you brought that up because it's something I started to think about. I think it was a couple years ago. Um, because when you start out as an entrepreneur, you're kind of sold the, the, um, the dream of Google. I'm going to build the Google. I'm going to build the Facebook or what, you know? And then later, I remember what the first time I went to go visit Google. I'll actually share a story. Adam, you don't know this at all, but actually, I don't think most people know this. So I broke into Google once. Um, like I wanted to sell my action sports company really bad and they built and in my action sports company, we have now we have the, we are LA tech calendar. Well, this whole calendar thing that I was building started with my sports company and I, um, and with my sports company, I had every single action sports event, um, going on anyway in Google at the time they built a, a sports calendar, but they didn't have any action sports like skateboarding, motocross, all the stuff. And I was the only company that had all this data. So I was like, Oh, they've got to want to buy me. So I researched, um, who the engineers were of this calendar portion of Google for the sports division. And I flew to San Francisco and went to every single uh, building looking for these engineers, like no joke. And I would get denied everywhere. And I kept going, going, well, it got so bad that they started to put a security alert on me, like <laughs> watch out for this girl. Like, and I just, and I started saying, you, this company was built in a garage. You have to give people like me a chance. It was crazy. Anyway, 
one of the last buildings, I was unsuccessful finding these people, but one of the last buildings, they called the cops on me or whatever. And in my Nikes, I like booked it to the bus. <laughs> I was like, and then I was so afraid because I had like Gmail and Google Docs. I was like, oh my God, I hope Google doesn't shut me down, you know? Um, but the reason why I bring that up so weird that that story is so true and probably even worse than like, I remember it. But the reason why I bring that up is it was around that. So it was more than a couple of years ago. It was around that time that I started to think about what's the responsibility I want as an entrepreneur. Meaning like if you go big, like Google, there are human beings at the top that have an insane amount of responsibility with that size of company. Whereas if you build what's sort of called the lifestyle company, which I don't think that that's a fair name because usually lifestyle companies are associated with blogs or something like that. Um, I particularly think a lifestyle company is a small team. And to make that active decision of the type of culture you want and the level of responsibility you want to have, and then to build the company that suits you, suits the lifestyle you want to have, which for me is a small team. Like I don't want us ever to be big. I don't think it would be more successful to be super huge um, in terms of internal team. I think that we gauge our success on the scale of um, positive social impact we can create. And I think um, success is also, um, for me, it's how much I could provide for you guys. And it's also, um, do we have the right processes and systems in place to efficiently um, positively impact the most people. And I think really, if I could go back in time and defining early on what does success look like and like what kind of lifestyle of a company I'd like to have, it would help put things in perspective. Because like you said and like validated for me is the reason why I can be a vulnerable leader is because we have a small team and you guys have like a, a really uh, cool, connective rapport with me. Whereas you're right in a large company, maybe that's a privilege and maybe that's a privilege that doesn't suit a 200 person company. Well, and, and beyond 200, 5,000 people, whatever, you know, just maybe there's a certain, like at 15 people, that's it. Can't be vulnerable leader anymore. You know, But yeah, that's a, that's a choice that I actively started to, to think about a while ago. And it's a choice that I, I didn't understand that I had when I first started. Why did you ever decide, why aren't you an entrepreneur? Um, I mean, I, I do a lot of side projects, but I, I don't know why. It, it was just never, a th I mean, obviously, you know, coming out of school, everybody kind of wants to freelance and, and do work. I, I went to school for, for video production and, and motion graphics. So, you know, and, and so I've done, you know, photography and video and all, all kinds of things, freelance work, but I've never really tried to make it like starting a company kind of thing. Um, I, I think it's probably just the business part of it. Like, I just don't want to have to, you know, I'm, I'm happy to just do my own taxes and, <laughs> and that's <laughs> I don't blame as far as you. <laughs> um, what's your perspective on boundaries? Meaning um, like, it seems like you're great at being a family man as well as being a completely reliable professional. Um, can you share with us, how you do that? Like, how do you perceive, how do you set boundaries for yourself? And I don't really like this word, but I can't think of a better one, balance 
where you're able to prioritize your family and and still show up being the badass that you are. I'm I'm definitely not perfect at it either. I mean, it, it's I'm always um, trying to figure out better ways to, to prioritize because there is you know there's a ton of things that I I would like to do that I just haven't gotten around to. But I mean, it's really it, it's all just about prioritizing and you know not not also not taking on too much and you know every once in a while that does happen and and you get really busy and then you realize you have to kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit but yeah it's really just prioritizing and setting the time aside you know for the things that are important to you so if you you know if you do have a family or if there's other commitments that that you need to to tend to you know, kind of slotting that in first and then what else can you take on on top of that? So I'm right now I'm sort of in, in the midst of kind of going through a list of, you know, the things that have been on the to-do list for quite a while, just little projects that I'd like to do were, um, you know, taking you know, online classes for different things and things like that that fall to the wayside and every once in a while, you just kind of need like a little reminder to to get back mm-hmm. to those. Things. What what's one of the online classes you want to take? I, I've recently I've started getting into um, UX and UI design, so I have nice. Create yeah, I have some creative live classes to watch. I also um, have been wanting to do some kind of a painting class. Nice, that's rad. That's super <laughs> rad. What's a quote that? Is one of your, you know, I ask this on the episodes sometimes. What's a quote that has really moved you, stuck with you over the years? Like a piece of advice, rather, that you've gotten? Uh, you'd think I'd be prepared with this. <laughs> um, Watch, Adam's going to edit himself out now. <laughs> I'm definitely going to edit myself. Um, it's not necessarily a specific quote or a thing. It's more of a, a concept, sort of the concept of servant leadership. I've never heard that term before. I'm going to... You're Googling. I am Googling to make sure that I have this right. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't saying it wrong because that, that, just, that would just be embarrassing. Um, so it's, it's the idea of, as a leader, instead of just sort of sending tasks down to, to your team and, and saying, you know, to, to get all these things done, it's about taking things off of their plate and, and redistributing those or whether it's doing that yourself or, you know, to enable your team to do what they're most effective at. Mm, I love that. Yeah. To really identify our core competencies and, and spend the most energy doing what we're best at. Yeah. It's really just, you know, what can I do to help you succeed at your job? And that's, that's basically the concept of servant leadership. I love that. Before we split up and I let you get back to your normal Saturday, um, what's one thing you'd like to like leave everybody with, either to know about you or to know about us? Is there kind of something that you want to put out in the world with our listeners? I mean, I don't have any you know grand piece of advice or, or anything. Um, I just I think what has been happening with podcasts in in the last I mean I guess decade is crazy. Um, it is crazy. The, the way that they've evolved, like it's, I think it's still on its way up. Most people know what podcasts are now, but I think it's still, I don't know what it looks like, but I think there's still like another level that podcasts are going to rise to. Yeah, I agree completely. 
A lot of people ask me, like, is it too late for me to start a podcast? What do you think? No, I mean, it's the same as starting a blog or, do, you know, doing anything. There are a lot of people doing it, but what's, you know, there's no downside to, to doing it. If it's good, people will listen to it. Even, you know, even if it's just 10 of your friends who, who listen to your podcast, then why, why not? If it, you know, I, I wouldn't set out to do it as a, as a company, unless you are really prepared to do that. Um, but if you're doing it just because you like doing it, then, you know, at the very least, even, even if nobody listens, you have a record of, you know, whatever it is you, you know, whether it's conversations with people or, you know, if you're interviewing people about a topic that, that you enjoyed or just learning things or just talking about, you know, the news or anything that interests you, um, there's no downside to that. Simon Rex on his podcast, Nervous Rex, he says all the time, the reason why he loves podcasting, he says it's the only hour where he can have a real conversation with someone and no one's looking at the phone and it's in real life, just genuine conversing in such a digital age where we're usually so distracted and with the pings and everything. He's like, it's, he finds it so freeing and rewarding to be able just to have real conversations several times a week. Your puppy. And on that note, I think your puppy is ready for you to go have a Saturday. <laughs> um, uh, puppy. Okay, you go be with your puppy. Thank you so much for just being you and letting me make, letting me make you uncomfortable several times when I overcompliment you for years. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, this has been like really rad. I'm really this, this, yeah. Thank you for spending your Saturday this way when you didn't have to. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. I will talk to you guys. See you guys. Hear you guys in the next episode. Remember to say hello on the We Are LA Tech social channels, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. And to connect more with incredible people in LA Tech, go to wearelatech.com slash community. Bye. Adam, remember to say bye. Bye. <laughs> this is Adam Carroll, podcast editor at We Are LA Tech. And you are listening to We Are LA Tech. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. We're so proud of what we've created with the We Are LA Tech podcast. To be a part of our journey with us, if you'd like to donate, go to wearelatech.fm. That's wearelatech.fm, and you can find our donation link at the top right of the page. Thank you so much for supporting us in our journey and helping fuel us moving forward for each and every episode. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. Show notes by Carl Marty. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Music.
Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.